Hey, it's Happy Hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy Hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you. Because that's New Orleans, and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common other than the fact that none of us are in a bar, actually. We're still isolated in our various homes scattered across New Orleans, waiting for this fucking thing to end, which apparently is only days away now because we're going into phase one reopening on Saturday, the something or other of May. What date? Graham DuPont, our producer, who knows what date it is. What date is that? Actually, the 15th, I think. Yeah, but not not me. I'm not doing it. You're not reopening? Absolutely not. No what way. are you doing? You're going to stay home forever? Yep. No, I'm going to stay home until it doesn't look like there's so much virus still around. But when are we going to know when that is? I think we just look at the numbers. Don't you look at the numbers every day? I look at the numbers, but looking at the numbers requires you to remember what they were yesterday, which I can never do. Don't write it down. <laughs> do you? I get a text every day from this. Do you get these texts from NOLA? No, Alert? I want it. I want a text. Do you guys get them? Ashley A. Bears here. Hey, Ashley. <laughs> Do you get Hi. these texts from NOLA Alert? Um, no, but I get texts and emails and, you know, phone calls from just about everywhere else. And I feel like I've gotten um, a newsletter for, for every company I've ever signed up or sent an email right. to telling me well, what they're doing and what their plans are. So. They're all sanitizing everything for your protection, basically. Mm -hmm. And they're all, is everybody going to open up on Saturday? 6 a.m. is the word, is what I've heard. Thomas Walsh, our producer. What are you, Thomas? No, that's right. director. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm just Thomas, man. You know, <laughs> the name says here on the bottom, yeah, right? Thomas. Yeah, so, it. Ashley, what do your people say? Is everyone that you hear from saying they're opening up this weekend? Uh, yes. So we've actually remained operational during the over the course of this thing. We, um, our office staff, was you know working remotely. And then we implemented, um, you know, some safety practices and PPE requirements for our field staff because uh, they had to continue, you know, operating on the forefront of this thing. Um, so we, so you know, minimized our crews. Just explain to people what you do. You, you, you've got a company called Bart's Office. Yeah, I yes. missed the on-ramp to that. Sorry, Ashley. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. So um, it's Bart. I'm Ashley Herbert, Bart's Office. Uh, you pronounce it Herbert? I do. I know. <laughs> I've it's... been saying a bear forever. <laughs> I, I, tech, I try not to correct people too much because um, people some people in Southeast Louisiana get a little combative about the Bear Herbert thing. Well, especially um, since your other name is Thibodeau. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. You everywhere else, right. It was, everywhere else that was butchered. And then, you know, and I went to like Herbert, which no one here can understand. So Okay, so hang on um, a minute. I've always thought your name is Ashley Thibodeau Hebert. So Ashley Thibodeau Herbert, yes. Okay, so where does the Thibodeau come from? Uh, that's my maiden name. So that was my family's name. Uh, and so, so is your family Cajun originally then? Um, yeah, there's some Cajun in there for sure. You know, we're not. You don't get to be called Thibodeau. have to be, right? <laughs> yeah. With a name like Thibodeau. Surely. You know, but then I have relatives in Brazil. So, you know, kind of, we're kind of. How do they say Thibodeau the in Brazil? Um, Thibodeau. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you might as well. I would just suggest going with Bear. Forget about the Herbert. That's what I say. Like people, when I say it, people tell me, you know, you're saying it wrong. And, <laughs> yeah, right. and I'm like, well, I was like, there's an R in there, but you know, people don't see the R. So no, I had never noticed it until right now. Looking at your name on <laughs> there Zoom. There it is right there. How crazy. Okay. All right. You yes. can tell them that's the Alabama pronunciation, Ashley. And this is David <laughs> Wilkins. David Wilkins yes. is a listener of ours who's joining us from somewhere in Alabama, which I can't remember the name of it already. Just south of Birmingham. Just south of Birmingham. Well tied. Roll <laughs> exactly. And Matt Haynes is here, who is a writer. Hey, Matt. Hey there. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? Fantastic. I'm glad to have uh, something to do this afternoon. What Thank would you, you be doing if you didn't have to waste your time drinking and talking to us? <laughs> I'd be uh, I'd be writing. I'm, uh, I've got another piece due tomorrow, so I guess I'd be uh, you know getting interviews set up for that right now. When you say you have a piece due tomorrow, you mean you have to hand it in tomorrow? Yeah, I've got to turn it over. Um, it's a piece about uh, food deserts here in New Orleans. So I'm, I'm and just got assigned to me yesterday. So I'm uh, quickly trying to learn about that. So when you're a writer, 
and you have to hand in stuff tomorrow. You don't have to write it today. You don't have to write it till tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I'll probably start to put together the outline tonight, and then um, what are you doing whenever... right now? Are you just thinking about it? Uh, well, so I uh, <laughs> I started to reach out to and anybody that I heard might be knowledgeable on the topic. I started to reach out to them for interviews a couple of hours ago, um, and then I've got a couple of podcasts um, about food deserts here in New Orleans that I'll listen to this evening on my run. And then I'll put together an outline tomorrow. I'll, I'll do the interviews in the morning and then I'll write it in the afternoon. And hopefully that'll be it. I didn't realize this is such a good gig being a writer. I thought it required a lot of work. <laughs> that seemed like a lot to me when I was saying it. That does seem like a lot to me. Yeah. That's a lot of information to synthesize. <laughs> yeah. But you can bang that all out in a day. Though. Yeah. But then that's like, then I got to start the next one right after or during. Where does this article about food deserts show up at and this one will be in it's called voice of america it's an, a national publication uh for for that particular one hey Leo. so <laughs> so this thing is going to be like nationwide so this is a pretty good gig then yeah this one's pretty good um, so it's going to be i mean they're all good this is <laughs> this is going to be online forever though right um, well, they told me that so the last one that I did for them went live on a Tuesday and they're like, um, they're like, it'll be gone by the next day. So one live yesterday and then it was off the website the next day. Um, they said, if you turn in things on Friday or Thursday or Friday, then it'll be on for the entire weekend. So, so not for the forever, but for, it'll be on their website for Why a few days. Why would you post something online and then take it off the next day? I don't well, I guess you're right. It doesn't go offline, but it'll go off their main page. So if you just happen to upon Voice of America just to see what's in the news, you'd end up you'd find my article right away. Whereas like they all exist, but they're a little harder to get to the further away from when okay. I wrote it. I feel Who is like they, most, by the way? Uh, I think whoever uh, it could be you. <laughs> it could be anybody who uh, uh, who is interested. So I guess for for Voice of America specifically, it's a lot of people from outside of the United States who are interested in the politics of the United States is my understanding of it. Whereas uh, very local New Orleans, for example, are New Orleanians almost exclusively. I'm going to ask you about very local in a minute, but first of all, let's mm -hmm. say hi to Jay Winfield. Jay, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm pretty okay. Good to see you. for the tardiness. I had some technical difficulties. That's okay. Nobody knows. I was not going to mention that. Oh, okay. But what were your technical difficulties anyway? What happened? Um, my computer was moving slow and they weren't accepting my login, even though I have a Zoom account. So that was fun. Why do you think that is? Do they know something about you? I don't know. They might have something against me. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Probably because I normally, I normally log in on the phone. That might be what it is. Uh, I might be on a different device so they think somehow that someone's impersonating you. Exactly. So, Jay, look at the two you? groovy looking keyboards you have set up here. Where are you? Are you at home? Oh, yeah, I'm at home. You know, quarantine life. Well, we were just saying that quarantine life is all over as of Saturday at 6 a.m. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. Mm. Uh... <laughs> so, you're, you're not going to leave the house either then on Saturday morning? No, sir. Okay, so that's, we'll do a random, we'll do a survey here. So, that's out. how many people are on this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's 10 people here. Believe it or not, Asher Griffith is here from. I see eleven, but eleven. Okay, whatever it is. Okay, eleven is <laughs> even better. That's an even better random number. Okay, so how many people are out of eleven people are going to abide by are going to regard this phase one opening as a, a, a permission to get out of the house and go do stuff? Let's start I'm, with that. I'm still in Arkansas. Yes. And I'm going to stay. You're staying in <laughs> Arkansas. Yeah. And what's the position in Arkansas? Where are they at? Oh, man, they're trying to... Are you kidding me? It's Trump country now. They're trying, <laughs> so, for such a long time, Arkansas was beautifully, like, blue because they were so backwards that they were still Democratic. But now, <laughs> but now, um, now unfortunately, they are... Uh, red r monkeys ass red, as they... Okay, so baboons ass red. And so they... Um, are trying to trying to open up and uh wondering about how they're going to be able to get anyone to come back to work and we opened the bars on Monday an hour. Yeah. yeah david did people go david did people immediately start flocking to the bars i i wouldn't know because i didn't go so 
Okay, I was so gonna keep man. my I was gonna keep my hand down. I'm not going anywhere for a couple of weeks. I want to. Yeah, I, I think that's a consensus among most people. Is nobody wants to go out because this is Chris Rock. Like, like me, I, I want to make sure that I'm not going to get sick and I'm not going to get somebody else sick. Uh, right. Now, Chris, you had a test today. We did. Uh, so Austin's running a program, um, a volunteer test program here in Orleans Parish, in New Orleans. And, and Jefferson. So both Rachel and I registered and she tried to go yesterday and it was very, very long line. So they told us to come back in the morning. We were there at eight o'clock this morning on uh, Magazine Street and got in one of the first few people to get in and had both tests done. Um, the, when you say the, both tests, what is that? Pregnancy and COVID? No, not pregnancy. For, one of us got tested for pregnancy. Um, it's a the nasal swab to see if you have it. So they did the swab in both nose, which is worse than any swab test I've ever had because it felt like they were tickling your brain. And wow, then wow. they drew blood for antibodies. And um, we'll have results in about 48 to 72 hours on if you're an Austria patient, you have the portal that we're logged into. So they'll, they'll send the test results. C-Rock could hack into that if you like. In the meantime, so I'm you're going to find out. You have to wait two days to find out. Have you had any symptoms or anything? No, but but as you know, Rachel, based on her job, has been up in the Capitol. Right. So she's been exposed because you had um, who was it? Charlie uh, Charles uh, Rebel that had passed away. One of the representatives from. I hope um, you got the right name because that would be terrible to say that yeah, someone passed away if they didn't look that up. So Chris's wife, Rachel, is the assistant to the state treasurer, as I. Do I have that she's right? The, actually, yes. She's the assistant treasurer for the state of Louisiana. She's not assistant to the state treasurer. She is the assistant. <laughs> she's one of multiple assistants, yes. But someone who's the assistant to the state treasurer would be someone who goes to get the coffee. She's actually the assistant state treasurer for the state of Louisiana. Correct. So she's partially responsible now for what's going to be a record shortfall of some yeah. billion so dollars. I, I hear those calls all day, and the, yeah, and the money is it's going to be ugly. Well, what do you think on a scale of one to 10? How fucked are we? I'm going to come back to the survey in a minute, by the way. How fucked are we on a scale from one to 10, judging on your overhearing the assistant state treasurer calls at home? Knowing that, given that she's not listening. Bad? From yeah, one to 10, nine. how, how nine. fucked? Nine. It's, nine. I, I mean, you got to think about it. Um, the hospitality industry, the oil industry, uh, those are the massive um, industries that pay into the coffers. Right. And the oil industry is in the tank, and so is the, yeah. obviously there's no tourism at all. Wow. And what are they thinking the, the uh, sort of timeline is looking like on a sort of recovery? I, that I haven't heard. I mean, every, and it's drawing down party lines about what needs to be done how soon we need to get back. And uh, I, I think this goes back to what um, we were talking about is even, even if you say everything is open, people are smart enough to realize that just because it's open doesn't mean I'm going and it's not going to be half wide half open. The, There's going to be half of the people are. Okay. Let's get back to the survey. How many, is anybody here actually going to go out of the house and do stuff on Saturday? No. Okay. Yeah. Matt. It, well, with a major like um, addendum, if if like the zoo, I know that they have to, they'd be at twenty five percent capacity. Did you say they, the zoo? Yeah, I think like the zoo is supposed to open up at some point soon, and mm -hmm. they'd be at, I think it's twenty five percent capacity. It's an outdoor space. Um, like it seems like I don't know Audubon Park, which tons of people already have been going to for for a month and a half now, um, is pretty is pretty full. So if you can walk around the zoo and outdoor space, I think maybe I would consider. I'm going, out, I'm going outside in the outdoors. I'm just not yeah. gonna, I'm not gonna patronize any restaurants. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. or shop or go to the grocery store if I can help it. Mm -hmm. Ashley, what, what, are you, what are you doing? Are you, are you still working, Ashley? Uh, yes, yeah, so we're, we're still operational. Um, we've had field crews operating pretty much the entire time utilizing um, social, physical distancing and um, PPE. So they've got the face masks, we've got gloves, um, protective goggles, um, and they are, you know, 
we only put in, you know, smaller crews on projects. So we're not operating to the full capacity. Uh, and then, you know, through all of this, obviously there's been a drop in, um, in, you know, work because just people aren't at their offices, people aren't, you know, um, coming to work like they normally would, but um, we were still, you know, operating. We still had office staff working remotely. Um, as far as going out physically, you know, this Saturday and, and kind of hitting the town, uh, probably not. But I mean, doing the outdoors thing, you know, has been something that, you know, my daughters and I have, you know, we rode bikes in the French Quarter. So, you know, stuff like that, I think people will still continue to do. But the full comeback of, you know, everyone going into restaurants and going into bars and being really social. You know, I was talking to someone earlier today and just identifying how we're going to be impacted by this. You know, it's like you go into the grocery store and people barely make eye contact at this point. Mm. So, you know, you wonder what the psychology behind, you know, this is going to ultimately end up looking like when we do get back to where we're kind of, you know, close to each other. I know for me personally, when I do engage with more than like three people, I, when I come home, I, I feel almost anxiety about it, you know? So it, I have a feeling that that's in a lot of people's minds right now. So it's going to be difficult to overcome that emotional aspect of it, you know, even if it does, if it is deemed safe, but at this point, who can really say it's safe? Well, it's being deemed economically safe, not physically safe, I think. Yeah. Right. Like everybody wants to get back to making money. I mean, yeah. well, that's the thing. I'm like, so I don't understand what's actually being gained because there's restaurants that are operating with like counter service exclusively. I feel like I've been harping on this a lot on my podcast, but and now I'm here doing it here. But it's like, what do you, what, who's gonna, who's gonna go, and how are you gonna convince anybody to come wash dishes or, or work front of house at your restaurant? when you're when you know you're required to operate at a third capacity and nobody in Louisiana is suddenly going to start paying $15 an hour before tips or anything like that it's just like you're not going to be able to staff it you're not going to be able to like it's not sustainable so I've had friends in just... the restaurant industry and they have basically they have not been able to get even a fraction of their employees to come back so well, everybody's making more money on unemployment than they're making waiting tables. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, not, uh, I, I think like by no coincidence, $600 a week equals out to $15 an hour at full time. Oh. So like, <laughs> if that's what's considered to be a living wage, then. That's what should be given then. Huh? That yeah, that's, an interesting yeah, that's a perfect price. argument for $15 an hour. Right. I Jay, think that's what you, the only solution, frankly. Like, it's what? time to it's time to start paying paying a living wage. Yeah, like, well, to everyone. Do you really? That would be great. It's ridiculous that your unemployment is more than you get when you're employed. It's an insane situation, but that's where this we are. This is America. So, well, it, not, it's normally not though. It's just to say it's you know, 200, 225 plus 600 now, which it's normally just 225. And right. My, you know, my wife went out to have her hair did today. So I think that's the uh, gateway drug for reopening is uh, going back to the hairdresser. That's what Jonathan Froelich was saying on the show a couple of weeks ago, that people regard having a haircut as more important than life itself, apparently. <laughs> they really need their haircut. That's a great point. Yes, yes everybody. <clears throat> Jay, what have you been doing for playing music during this period? Well, honestly, it took me about three weeks to a month to even feel like playing any music because uh, it was just so much going on. Like I had family members that um, had tested positive. Right. I, I had to like uh, pretty much step up and do a whole lot of things, like make the runs that they couldn't run because they weren't feeling good and things like that. So I wasn't really inspired to play for a good while. And right. uh, after everybody started getting better, and he realized it wasn't, you know, the worst for him. Then I started playing some things. And I was really rusty. It was like, oh, I need to uh, probably play some more <laughs> before I can't play anymore. So I've been wow. playing for about two weeks now. And what are you doing? Where are you playing? Are like online stuff or what? Yeah, I'm literally just every now and then I come to the keyboard and I play something random, either from like some new songs that came out or just improvise on something and I'll, I'll post it to my Instagram followers and my Facebook followers. Okay. 
Are you on TikTok yet? I'm not yet, but it's very tempting. Everybody's doing cool stuff on TikTok. I know. TikTok is the. Is the I feel like it's hope. just children. It is. I keep no, telling it's my daughter. It's everyone. It's everyone. Actually, I keep telling my, my daughters because they're 10 and 8. And I was like, girls, you want to do a TikTok? And they're like, no, mom. Really? <laughs> like, not with you. They want to do a TikTok, but not. Not, not with mom. Me. No, mom's got to. St- That's yeah. what's so great about TikTok, though. It's all these kids and they're all fucking awesome. It's really some great <laughs> stuff on there. <laughs> Yeah. I told them we could do uh, Beastie Boys, Paul Revere, because there's three parts. You know, I was like, I'll take the heavy lyric part. You know, you girls just back me up. Are they? And... Are they? Are the girls? Are you at home? Yes, I'm at are home. The, are the girls there? They're not here today, oh. uh, but yes, normally they are. That would have been great to do that. Yeah, they would have just pranced and around so in the background. That would have been fun. So Jay, that would be a great thing for you to get on TikTok. We could do a TikTok right now if we knew what we were doing. Oh yeah. We're all way too old for TikTok here in this <laughs> audience. Jay, you want to play something while you're sitting here at these keyboards? What are you thinking of playing tonight? Oh, um, well, I was thinking I might. Uh, today is my favorite artist of all time's birthday, um, Stevie Wonder. Wow. So I was thinking about playing one of his several thousand songs. Well, Given that it's his birthday and he's your favorite artist of all time, there's less likelihood that he's going to sue us mm. if you play it. So what the hell? Yeah. Normally we try and discourage people <laughs> playing songs they don't own the copyright to, but what are they going to do, really? Yeah, what are, what are you going to do? You know? You're Which probably one? a little understaffed right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not like anyone's listening to this show. What, um, <laughs> what, what do you plan? Um, thinking about playing the song uh, Creeping. Creeping. Don't know. Anyone here know that? It's a song that he uh, he recorded, and it's on the uh, first finale album. Came out in uh, the early seventies, I want to say. But it's not one of his like more one of his most popular radio tunes. It's just I've never even heard of it. No one's heard of it. Out of eleven people, first of all. (laughs) No, zero out of 11 people are going to take part in the reopening of New Orleans. Oh, yeah. And zero out of 11 people have ever heard of the Stevie Wonder song. So, so far, we're betting zero for 11. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I could play a song that y'all know. No, no, play something you want to play. Okay. Give it a shot. Are you going to sing it too or just play it? Yeah, we're less likely to be sued if it's a deep cut instead of the big hits, right? Mm -hmm. That's true. I don't know how they have that recognition software. Yeah, I wouldn't do that they, to you. The they find you, all right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, let's play it. Jay, go ahead. Cool. Just one. That's it. You can hear it? Vaguely now, yes. Okay.
Okay, nice. Jay Winfield. Unfortunately, I think we've reached the limit of the technology here that doesn't really do justice to what you're playing. Oh, yeah. You guys know, well, it's hard to tell who hears what. No, I, yeah, I think the whole range of the piano really doesn't come through on a little uh, tiny yeah. computer microphone, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a shame because you're a great player. No, we can tell that you yeah. got some talent, Jay, for sure. No, I've seen you play One, Jay's a great player. One way that I found around that actually yes, lately sure. is there's a piece of um, there's a piece of software out there called Loopback, and you can use it to like patch the output of certain parts of your computer. Uh, so, for example, if you plug your keyboard into an audio interface. Yeah. then your computer would have to both be output and input at the same time, which it never will okay. do on its own. But Should if we you, do that, is it easy to do in the next 20 minutes? Like, probably not. It also, like, you have, it costs $100. I bought ah, it because... Ashley will pay for it. <laughs> but oh, if Asher. You, I was like... Uh, <laughs> for Jay, for Jay, yeah. Okay. But if you want to, it's 11 people. We can all chip in nine bucks and then you can put in a dollar yourself, Jay, and then we'll be in. There you go. Hey, I got a question for people. What would they actually be hyped up about reopening that they would actually go out and like bring their services to people? If, if X, Y, or Z opened, what would you actually go back to uh, business as usual for right now? Okay. Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I have not had a haircut in like six months. And <laughs> I would not, my hairdresser is coming back on Saturday. I'm not going. Well, doesn't that just prove that you don't need to get a haircut constantly? My hair looks, <laughs> looks great. No. Sure. No. Yeah, I don't see anyone the here thinks Graham's hair looks like shit, really. Tell us right. No, I think it looks fine. It looks fine. No, I think it looks fine. Really. Better, better than my corona I, cut. So. Yeah, my hair, my hair is longer than it's been since I was in like college. Because and I'm cool thing. with it. You got great hair. Hey, so, thanks. Graham, if not if not a barbershop, which you think is essential or whatever, what what would you do? Go back for? I'm not going back for anything right now. Yeah, but what, you know what? what? Yes, if my pets got sick, I'd go to the vet. I've been to the vet. I've been to the dentist. Did the vet shut down at all? Not allowed to go in. You can only go as far as the parking lot, and then they take the dog in. Oh wow! Um, I've been to the vet. I don't think I would go. I don't think I would go go back for this if this suddenly happened. But you know, the thing that I've been like missing the most is like I find myself really craving like some greasy, shitty Tex-Mex food. Like I want like the ground beef burrito with sauce all over the top of it and melted mozzarella yeah. cheese and a little side of refried beans. And I want like as much chip and dip, and I mean chip and dip, not chips <laughs> and salsa. 
as I can eat and like a margarita that's like as big as my head. Okay, where are you going for that? I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like Barrier Grill. Yeah, anywhere, <laughs> really. You can find that in lots of, Coretta's and Metairie is one of my favorites. There used to be this place in Mississippi when I was in high school called uh, Los Tres Amigos, except that's not how you say it. That's close enough. Yeah, and then, right. um, uh, but that I would was, love Mexican food. That's a great idea. Let's do that. I text Tex-Mex food specifically. Not, I don't mean like Mexican food. I mean, you know, I mean that specific brand of like very saucy, like American style mm. Mexican inspired food. So the taco trucks haven't closed, right? They've been open the whole time, right? Yeah, you they can't get that margarita as big as your face, though. Yeah, right? that's the problem. Truck. So, think, Matt, uh, Matt, have you done any research into this food desert article yet at all? Not really. Uh, I have people I'm lined up to talk to tomorrow. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, not, not much already. Uh, other than, like, like a lot of African-American neighborhoods especially are, are living in food deserts. And, and because of COVID-19, I mean, for, for, I think, a lot of people that I know, it's like, oh, like, why did 90% of the people I know learn to bake bread all of a sudden? Um, you know, we're kind of bored. And, um, and so we're cooking a lot more than we used to, but we also have grocery stores around in certain neighborhoods. So we're able to do that. If you don't have a grocery store around, how are you supposed to get the food to then cook? So what are your options then really? like? Well, how is it different from regular time though? Well, I think that maybe just more was, more was open uh, during regular times. So there were, there were more options. And I think just the urgency of it now, whereas like, I don't know, typically as, you know, uh, most days I'm going out to buy lunch or something like that. Now that's not possible quite as much or as easily. So I can now shift and like, okay, I guess I'll cook for myself. And it's not a big problem to ship. Specifically, specifically in New Orleans East, mm -hmm. that's a huge problem, probably more than, than anywhere else I can think of. And then lower ninth ward. Yeah. Are you talking about are you talking to your boy Burrell down there in the lower ninth ward at all? Can't remember his first. But, that, but that's been like that because, I mean, it's been like that all the time. I mean, it's been a long time. It's ever since Katrina, basically, and all those places got wiped well, out. But they had, but they had public transit at least. Like that's not a thing that's happening right now, is it? You might be reluctant to uh, drive or go somewhere, and this got just a twenty-five percent occupancy limit, and you have to stand in line for some amount of time if your if your grocery store is 20 minutes away or right. 45 but, minutes away. And I've heard the cost of meat. I haven't seen it myself yet, but I've heard the cost of meat, for example, has has gone up in some cases now. And so maybe the cost, and but Grant, I think you're right that it's not like this is a problem that all of a sudden emerged out of nowhere, um, but maybe it's just exacerbated a little bit now as a result of this. Yeah, everything has got, everything Everything that was a problem in the United States has become more apparent mm -hmm. now that we yeah. don't have anything to do except look at it. And the, one of those things is access to food. Another is also this huge disparity between rich people and poor people. I might quote you on that. I'll ask you. Yes, would you write that down and quote <laughs> sure. me in the article? Hey, <laughs> yep. tell us something. So what is very local? Yeah, uh, so very local New Orleans is, um, I think they only started maybe three years ago. And they're part of Hearst Media Company, um, which I think, God, I'm going to get this wrong. I think WDSU is uh, connected to Hearst as well. But uh, I got it. All right. Yes, so, yes, yes. Yeah. So, but very local New Orleans, I think they're, they are, if, if there's something fun going on in the city, um, that's, that's really what they're focused on. And so they're trying to just make sure people in, this, in, in New Orleans can go to one specific site and find, uh, you know, what music is going on, uh, what, where the best, Tex-Mex is in the city, where the best pizza is in the city, where, what, what theater is going, that's kind of, so. And how yeah. do you get their logo on your, oh, they, they made this. Right. This yeah. thing that's this, whatever that's called in the back of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you go called? to very local New Orleans and uh, I think it's nice. pretty close to the top, there's somebody created, I think Matthew Hinton took pictures around the, the city has got like 25 of them that you can download for your very local Zoom chat. Oh, uh, so you can use it as your backdrop. What is this called on the back of your there? background picture? Uh, backdrop? Virtual background. Virtual background is what it is. For okay. the win, Chris. Very nice. Oh, very your, yours is a streetcar. I just realized that. Yeah. 
Oh, Asher, wow. How do you think that woman feels? <laughs> How do you think that jogging woman feels? She's been immortalized in very local's uh, New Orleans-themed background. Have you ever Googled your address on Google Maps? Oh, Asher, wow. Yeah. How do you think that woman feels? <laughs> How do you think that jogging woman feels? Well, hang on. Who's got their... That, that's Sherry lagging behind right there. Sherry. Sorry, Sherry. Sorry, mom. My mom. My hey, own mom. Sherry Sirak. Oh, hey, no. Sherry. Calling from Hello. Los Angeles. And Monique Pyle, our music producer, is here as well. Monique, how are you? That's, that's Sherry. Good. Okay, look. Well, the whole gang is here. Sorry, Sherry. Hey, so, Matt, this is one of the most intriguing things I've ever read. Graham sent me your bio today. Hmm. And uh, it says that you have a Bachelor of Arts in Trombone Performance Classical. Yeah, so um, I, I think when I was growing up and I was playing trombone, the idea of playing jazz was like, oh, I'm probably not gonna do that. I'll play classical trombone. Like most orchestras have three or four trombones in them, including the Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra. So there are people who study that specifically instead of like jazz trombone, which maybe you're taking more improv classes or you're focused on different chord structures. Um, whereas me, when I was uh, a classical trombone player, most of mine was like, um, like a lot of repetition and getting this particular technique, right. Um, and this yeah. particular technique, which is what blowing down the thing <laughs> and then moving the slide yeah. up and down. I mean, it's been a while since I've done it, but I think, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, certain ranges of the trombone oh, yeah. require certain techniques. And like, sometimes you're playing very like that 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 staccato and sometimes you're playing very da 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 legato and i think those require different techniques as well um, so yeah. so you went to school what school did you go to to learn how to play the trombone classically uh, sure, uh, ithaca college in upstate new york okay oh yeah. fancy and, yeah. and so you end up with a music <laughs> with a music degree yep sure did and did you have some sort of idea in mind that you were going to be a professional trombone player in an orchestra for the rest of your life yeah, that was originally the plan. And so originally I was uh, a trombone performance and music education double major four and a half years. So I was like, ah, I'm not going to be a music teacher. Like as I got further along in it, I was like, I'm going to play trombone. And I had this brass quintet and we would tour around. And I remember, you know, we were in college and we were making some money doing that. Yeah, well, I can just keep doing that forever. Um, but then, you know, people decide kind of had different paths of their own in mind. So that the band broke up. Sadly, and then what was the name of the quintet? Oh God, um, I think it was I think it was Pinnacle Brass, which Pinnacle sounds Brass. sounds really uh, cocky now that I'm saying it. But, you know, I don't know. We, we, it was Pinnacle Brass, and we were um, yeah, we were that playing. That name we were really sort of rings a bell to me for some reason. Asher, you're, Brass. you got some of their recordings. <laughs> I don't Asher know. Was boy. What I might maybe I've heard you somehow. I don't Asher, know. Are you are you from Maine? You could have been there during our tour, maybe. No, but I do have I do also have a um uh have classical training. I have a degree in classical composition. Oh, cool. Um yeah, so I uh I understand. I thought I'd go into academia as well. Like I thought that being a student of composition at the college level would automatically just transition into me being a professor of composition but i by the time i finished like grad school and had taught music theory for two years i was like a career of like red pins and chalk dust is just the most horrifying thing i can imagine and i um i went i, I immediately went into pizza delivery what did you do when you gave up playing the trombone great. how did you get out of it um, I think I was like a slow, I was a slow burn out of it. So I thought I was going to like be a professional musician, but was like, God, like I'm spending eight hours a day in a practice room by myself, which is sometimes nice, but is pretty boring. And I think I like to collaborate a little bit more. Um, and so I was like, okay, maybe I don't want to do this. Um, and so I started teaching like these drum and bugle corps, which are kind of like professional marching bands that would tour around. And so I was teaching one in New Jersey and then one in Wyoming. And Hang on, then, wait, 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 wait. You yeah. were teaching marching bands, did you say? Yeah, yeah. For like three months at a time, this group of like 135 high school and college age kids would get. So in Casper, Wyoming, for example, example, the Casper Troopers would get together and we'd uh, compete against different marching bands every night and okay, travel wait, around. Wait. You didn't say three months at a time, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three months. Like you wouldn't see anybody else other than 
people take three months off out of their lives to go to a brass band marching camp? Yeah, well, it's not. I mean, I guess it, it start. It's not. I don't think people see it really as a camp as much as like it's a. It's like a, a, a the Olympics of marching band or something. Mm. Hey, even the Olympics doesn't go on for three months. That's a good point. Yeah, but so but this what, takes a lot. What kind of drugs are they doing? <laughs> I think people would sneak. I mean, they probably were doing some drugs, but I I wasn't aware. I know that like kids would get in trouble if they were if they were drinking because you weren't supposed to. I mean, because we were rehearsing and practicing pretty much every day. Mm. Okay, so, so we mostly feel, did. I feel like we mostly did cocaine, weed, <laughs> and alcohol at band camp. So. <laughs> That's probably what they were doing. Similar, right? Bandcamp was way cooler at your school than it was at mine. <laughs> so, so you'd be you like the sort of the um, the coach, or what would that be called, manager? Yeah, I was like, I think my my it, it changed depending on what ensembles I was in. So I was like the visual uh, caption head, like the head of the visual program. So all the marching stuff, I was in charge of um, at this one. But then like. The, the fun, the, it got really funny when my like mentor in marching band stuff, he was having a kid. And so he couldn't, he had a gig in Japan and he couldn't go to Japan. So he was like, do you want to do this? And so then I got to teach in Japan for six months as like, to say like a visual, but I don't speak Japanese at all. So that was funny. And then I met some guys from Thailand and they're like, oh, we're trying to start our own marching band. Do you want to do that? And so then I went to Thailand for like two different stints of six months each. And like, I, I don't speak Thai either. Um, so yeah, it was... Well, wow. I guess brass music is the international language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was great. I mean, and, and if people love somebody, Philip John Sousa, or I was whatever. just going to yeah. ask that. What are they playing? What songs Don are they Philip playing? Sousa. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're not typically playing that kind of stuff. It's more like I guess uh, I don't. know. I think they would say it's more artistic or abstract. But um, so I don't know. Uh, the I remember one the, one of the Thai shows was like a. Um, uh, like a history of Thailand show. And so they had some folk music and they had some, like, I think they ended with some like Thai pop stuff. Are you, um, are you doing the arrangements for these things as well? No, no, no. But I would work in Thailand. I would like, um, I would talk to the guy who was writing the marching drill and I would talk to the guy who was writing the music and okay, I would so like get them on the same page. See rock. We've got to find this stuff. It's got to be on YouTube somewhere. Oh yeah. It? Yeah. No, I made my girlfriend watch it the other day. And it wasn't as good as I remembered. Send us the link. <laughs> yeah, okay. send us yeah, yeah. the link right now. Send C Rock the link. Okay. okay we have to see this time. So that when you say drills, you had to coach them into like the chore choreography as well. Yeah, there's choreography, but also like every individual like when you guys watch it, it'll look like just one picture is moving around. But that's every single individual who has a very specific step size right. for a certain number of counts, and they're all different, and they change directions. And I can't imagine why you'd want to quit this. This is, sounds like a lifelong acid trip. Does not pay very much, and so eventually. Oh well, there is that. I hadn't thought about it. Wow, how what a great story! And see, Matthew Sirock is here as well. You have the same name as uh, as Andrew Sirock. And Sherry Searock. And Sherry Searock was here at some point. <laughs> the whole family's the here. Whole, the whole Searock family. Well, we're, missing, really we're missing my dad. This is the bunch. What happened to mom? She disappeared or she's gone off my screen somehow. Yeah. This is great that people keep on showing up here. Matt, say what up. Matt, where are you? Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> my, mom, my mom couldn't make it today again. Your mom and you are supposed to be doing a musical number on the show, remember? I know. We actually rehearsed last night, and um, we That's amazing. recorded a couple of numbers, too. It was, wow. You rehearsed, and you, she's not here. Yeah. you got to release them. Okay. I'll, I'll, send, I'll send them y'all. And Ashley and her kids are going to do a, a song as well. A TikTok. They're going to do a TikTok. A yeah. TikTok. I'll, I'll let you guys um, have the first review of it once we've, you know, <laughs> Okay. Jay, you want to try playing something else? You think we can get it to sound better? Volume. Volume. Volume and quality, I think. Although not quality of your skill. Okay. I think it's just like music's hard over Zoom because like there's gonna be like some lags, you know what I mean? And like Yeah, it's frustrating. This yeah. thing wasn't designed for musical performance okay, after all. No, no, no that's true. Okay, let's play something and then actually I want to come back because we're gonna to have to get out of here at some point. Before we do, we have to talk to you about what the hell is gonna to happen to the future of office work. So 
Can we do that in a minute? First of all, Jay, so what are you thinking of playing here? Uh, I'm thinking of playing a song that uh, it's a little more known just because, well, I, I love the song. And I think it would be a good way to like test out if it's better the way I positioned it and, and the volume that I turned up. If okay. you know the song, it's a Don't Know Why, uh, Nora Jones. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're very likely to get sued for that, but okay. I'll cover it, I promise. Try Let's get the candles lit and like arrangement. I want to get the bubble bath going too with the songs on. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jake feels bad. Okay. Is that good? Can y'all hear that? Give me like a like run through the first part or something like that. Oh, it looks so easy. Very so nice. That was great. Hey, thanks, man. Where can we hear you play normally? If there should be a normally ever again. Um, I play, I'm a regular member of four bands, but the, the band that I'm mostly in, uh, main band is uh, Brassaholics. And uh, we usually, before pandemic, uh, played every Thursday night at the Jazz Playhouse. Um, that's on off, off Bourbon and Conti or Bourbon and Bienville. That's Urban, the, that's Urban Mayfield's place? Yeah, but well, it used to be. 
Yeah, no, he's well, not just there. at the hotel. Yeah, now it's just called Playoffs. Well, what but, happened? Um, to, what happened to him? I do not know specifically. Uh, last I know, he got a he had a um. It was kind of like a open mic jam thing that they were doing every Monday night. I never got a chance to make it there. But did he, he did he ever get charged with anything? I believe so. I never I even just, heard any more about that story. He was meant to have embezzled all this money from something and then oh, the library it, or some bullshit thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was uh, the library. Just disappeared. Never heard he was on the he was on the board for the library and he was I think he was um getting grants for the library with his position on the board and then he was paying uh his new orleans jazz orchestra through the library's funds right for some or other. and that I was right. like, i think that's what it was a complicated well, that ain't a crime no 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 he was <laughs> indicted in december and the trial's been pushed to july ah july 2020 yes so it's still ongoing it's still ongoing. <laughs> so okay. there's still hope. Well, how long has this been going on for years? Well, now? I think the trial was pushed back because of the pandemic. Okay. But this this predates the pandemic by years. Yeah, but um, he was only indicted in December. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I feel but like I remember it was a it was a thing. I applied for a job with the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra around the time that like that stuff started hitting the, the news. What were you trying to be doing this Brand, man Brand i can't writer. even i can't even remember i didn't get that job because i was so right. stoned when i went to the interview <laughs> oh, that's surprising i had kind of decided i had kind of decided i didn't want that job anyway because the first thing that happened like as soon as i applied they sent me a copy of his book that he wrote and and they were like read it because they're gonna ask you questions about it when you get into the interview and I was just like, <laughs> yeah, that is a little oh, off putting. Yeah. And his book, <laughs> his book was like most people's like Instagram feed. <laughs> so you read it. You read the whole book though, cover was, to cover. Right. I did. I did read it. Okay. Well, who had the last laugh there? You got to be high and he goes to jail. Well, he's not going to jail yet. Anyway. Hey, Ashley, because we, we haven't got all day here. So Ashley, just tell us seriously oh. for a minute here. So, Everybody basically is working out of their house now, and you have a job that's concerned with people's office space, right. moving offices and setting up offices and taking care of people's offices. So what, what are you going to do now? What's happening to you? So uh, we've positioned ourselves to um, begin offering services to businesses that maybe have upcoming leases that are expiring. Uh, so we can take their furnishings from their office space where they're paying like class A office prices, put them in storage, give them some time to make some decisions based on what eventually happens or kind of the, the dynamic of their business. You know, some people will maintain a work from home platform um, and then some people will be, you know, kind of compressing office space. So if they can't bring everyone back on. Um, to full capacity once this opens up, which a lot of businesses won't, um, you know, then they're going to wait, need... wait, wait. A lot of businesses won't open up again. Well, not to the capacity that they were like before. What's the reason for that? Because they're, they're just the going out of business. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, people are obviously the you know the the unfortunate thing is that yes, some businesses will not survive this. Um, okay, so you're in a position where you know what's going on, whereas most of us here on this call, I think, have no idea what's going on. I, I, I for one, don't have a clue. I, I know just, all. No, yeah, so <laughs> you're talking to people in business. So what kind of businesses aren't going to make it? Uh, well, I mean, you know, specifically, I know the restaurant industry is going to have a tough time. Um, you know, if you were a startup, I think that's you're not going to do um, fare so well because there are, even though there are loans and grants and stuff associated with it, if you don't have enough, um, you know, enough to back up your business, they, you're not going to be eligible for those loans. Um, so those are going to be more difficult to acquire. Uh, then, you know, I mean, there's just businesses that are going to be drastically impacted, you know, from, you know, tourism is just like, that's not going to come back. Even if we do come back, it's not coming back anytime soon. Um, even though I was going to suggest that that would be one of the first things I did do was go tra was travel. Um, 
because that's what, you know, that's what would be important to me. But, you know, a lot of the businesses that we're seeing are um, either going to maintain, you know, a, a certain portion of their business or their staff is going to work from home or they're going to rotate. So um, obviously with people not being able to be in close quarters, they're going to alternate schedule people. So some people will be week on, week off, one week in the office, one week off. Um, that would be, you know, a reason for them to compress their their footprint right. of their commercial office space. So you're taking their furniture and putting it so in yes, storage. So that you're like is a one sort of, the, of a commercial office pawn shop. Yes. So that is actually one of the um, platforms that we have been promoting even prior to this was for a lot of our commercial clientele when they do renovations or they, you know, move or they get new assets. Uh, we take their old assets and we um, put them online. We market them to nonprofits, uh, to small businesses. Um, and basically, if we can time it right, there's little to no cost to these organizations to take advantage of this furniture. It's great for the, the companies that we're representing because we're offsetting their expenses of disposal. They're allowing you know these assets to to be reutilized uh, for some okay. smaller business that might well, not. The bad have news to... is you're going out of business. The good news is that somebody's going to get your furniture who could use it. Yes, yes, you know, <laughs> and and we've we've done that. Um, you know, we've done that like historically for a lot of clients, and you know, it's not always going out of business. You know, sometimes people are getting new furniture. So, right. um, but I'm talking about old... right now. Right now, uh, unfortunately, a certain portion of it will be, you know, but ultimately it might be that, you know, they're putting their staff from a work from home platform right, right. indefinitely and they don't need that office space. So we're able to take those assets and either, you know, the first thing we do is try to resell them. And then if there's no resale, then we donate, we market to our nonprofits. We have a network of 4,000 nonprofits that we can, you know, put the stuff out to that they can take advantage of. Um, and it's good for the environment. It's good for our customers, and it's good for the you know the organizations that can benefit from it. Is so, it good for you? Do you still have a job out of all this? Yes, yes. So we, um, you know, because of our commercial, our client uh, backing, they ultimately fund these efforts. You know, by way of we had to take it out anyway. They had to pay us to remove it, and they just pay like a small management you know fee, or that's associated. It's not really a fee, but it's just kind of we roll it into the pricing structure to where we can market this stuff. But that's why when I come on, you know, shows like this and we have our newsletters and we are doing promoting, we promote it all the time, even if we don't have projects that we're currently doing because we get them so often. And it's a real problem. You wouldn't think you're, I'm trying to give away good furniture, you know, but uh, sometimes it becomes a challenge. So we're just trying to make those connections at every level. And if I get someone, even if I don't have a project, I, um, I put them, I have a folder specifically for them. And so I keep their information and then I make sure that those are the first people that we reach out to. So, I mean, it's so if anyone's schools. looking for office furniture and they have a nonprofit, you give it to them for free. Yes. Yes. Wow. So, so Ashley, is this, is this the end of the open plan office and the rebirth of the cube farm? Uh, yeah. So we had a bunch of clients mm. that were either all the way through or halfway through. Um, that process of going to that shared low walls, everybody can see everyone, everybody's co-working and, you know, sitting on top of each other. And um, a lot of those projects have just been, you know, stopped in their tracks, shelved. And, um, you know, they're either reformatting and kind of redesigning what they have or just doing away with those initial, you know, plans and coming up with, you know, something that's for the new you know, environment that we're looking to so I, I had assumed when this thing began that we'd all be inconvenienced for four, five, six, seven, and maybe eight weeks, and then we'd just get back to business as usual. But what you're saying and what people tend to be saying now is that this is going to have a permanent effect on our life. Is that mm -hmm. what you're thinking, Ashley, that this is going to change office structure, the way we work in offices forever? Yeah, I mean, everything. Even yeah, yeah right I, as i mentioned earlier the psychological you know effects to this are to remain to be seen but um even looking at my business personally uh we didn't have a work from home platform i mean we're commercial relocation it's everybody's in the office we're all working together it's a very teamwork environment and you know since this we've been <clears throat> kind of flipped on our on our heads here and we've had to learn how to operate in this world and you know i was even thinking about it me personally thinking about having to go back into the office every day and then getting used to that again right. and 
is that going to be normal? Is that going to seem normal after after this? It's you know? kind of cool working at home and integrating your family life and your work life. It is. You know, from the waist down, I'm in PJs all the time. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that? Grant, did you see that Twitter announced that they're allowing the staff to work from home permanently? Wow, really? Yeah. So things are changing all over, man. Tell okay, Twitter that I'll decom their office. <laughs> well, actually, what you do is similar to what I do. Um, we're a small uh, company that does and works with architects uh, doing design work for Verizon. So we're, we do a lot of that open ABW workspace design and I do the low voltage and the audio visual along with sound masking and everything's been shut down. I've got two projects in Alpharetta that are just because they're under construction right now. That's it. Everything else is going back to redesign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe we can partner. Uh, I would love to. I yes. absolutely love to because I just had um, an, an attorney who, when I in my old job at the school board, he called me yesterday because now they're doing everything from their office, no more courts. So he's like, I don't know how to use Zoom. I, I I'm calling you because I need help. So <laughs> that's going to change as well. They're going to do dip, uh, uh, depositions. They're doing court cases. They're doing everything either from home or from offices. Yeah. Are they going to broadcast this on Facebook Live? I, you know, the Supreme Court's now do, uh, broadcasting the arguments. You can get the Supreme Court on Facebook. You can on C-SPAN. I mean, that's my newest thing is listening to the Supreme Court arguments now. Well, it is oh, yay, a pretty oh, slow yay. month, I'll give you that. But it hasn't slowed down that badly that I'll be watching the oh, Supreme Court. I mean, Court. it was uh, his his taxes or his, uh, yeah, the president's taxes, whether or not they can be released. I can mm. answer that for you. Yes, they definitely can, no problem. Okay, but they listen, won't. You... Sorry. We've got to get the hell out of here, although we don't really have anywhere to go. I realize that. But Thomas has to feed his kids. Ashley, what are you doing? Where are your kids? Oh, they're uh, they're with their father right now. So okay, that's that's Mr. Herbert. As yes. a as a as a closing remark, I'd like to say that if I think that if someone showed me a picture of of C Rock next to C Rock Senior and said <laughs> C Rock Senior is just C Rock in twenty years, I'd believe I'd believe. You. Okay, very sure. good. See me with the uh, Snapchat old person filter on. <laughs> Thanks for the old person part. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. I call no it like worries. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. That's, this is so confusing. Matt Haynes, before you go, yeah. where do we find this your stuff? Um, I think the best thing to do would be to go to my blog, which is MattHaynesWrites.com. We'll post a link to it. Oh, sure. Okay, we'll put a link to it on our itsneworleans.com page as well. Matt Haynes Writes. Justin, thank goodness you ended up being a writer. Otherwise, you'd have to have Matt Haynes plays trombone. <laughs> Matt Haynes teaches Thai marching bands. Yeah. <laughs> I, that is one of the best stories I've ever heard, and we've been doing this for a long time now. This is our 10th year, I think, believe it or not. Honor. That is pretty good. I taught Thai. You must be able to tell that story at dinner. If we're ever allowed to go out to dinner again, that's a great story. Yeah, and there's this very little. That's only the first level of it. There's like individual rehearsals. We're very wild okay. Well, can happen. you come back and tell us more some other time? Yeah, I'm I'm free right okay, now. Cool. A lot of the time. So. And Jay Winfield, how Hello. do we find you? I am. Uh, I don't have any real creative names, so I am Jay Winfield <laughs> on literally everything. Uh, I'm mostly active on Instagram and Facebook. I have a personal page, but I have a I have a music a business page as well if you want to go to that's where i post pretty much predominantly music okay very good well hopefully we won't have to defend you in court over this yeah. <laughs> copyright situation this is true okay guys well thank you very much ashley herbert i can't believe i can't even say that properly Matt hey, Haynes, sounds weird it sounds weird it does i'm going to go back to ashley thibodeau a bear <laughs> and uh, Matt Haynes and Jay Winfield, thank you so much for joining us. And everybody else who showed up here, Chris Roth and uh, the Sea Rock family and various other people. David Wilkins, there you are, and various other people who dropped in and out of the show today. Thanks for joining us. That's been Happy Hour. 
for another week on Zoom. Now, our show is produced by Graham DuPonte, our music producer, is Monique Pyle, Thomas Walsh is our technical director, and Andrew Sirock Sirock is our digital producer. Asher Griffith, down there on the right-hand corner, is our Facebook Live feed director. Christian Unruh is our music consultant. Our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show and you can stay upright while staying at home and getting on Zoom, drop us a line. Our address is on our website, itsneworleans.com. You can also check out many other happy hours that we made over the previous decade, along with other shows that we make around here, including Out to Lunch with Peter Rusciutti, um, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker and our award-winning podcast about death which is simply called Death the Podcast you can also find other great Louisiana podcasts at itsacadiana.com and itsbatonrouge.la you can keep up with us between shows and a bunch of time-sucking social media like Facebook, Twitter and Instagram you can find those links on our website itsneworleans.com you can find photos, believe it or not, from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our It's New Orleans Happy Hour Facebook page and on Instagram these photos are taken by Jill LaFleur you can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurPhoto.com. If you listen to us on your favorite podcast app, thank you for subscribing to us. If your podcast app has a share function, try telling a couple of your friends about Happy Hour. Happy Hour is a production of Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. Andrew Duhon is still on the road somewhere or other. Hey, look, there's Ali still there in a mask. So on behalf of Andrew, who should be here next week again, and all of our Happy Hour crew, thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. If we manage to stay alive for another seven days, we'll see you back here next week for more Happy Hour.